Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and and wondered what kind of greeting this might have been. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the gospel of your Lord. You may be seated.
This morning, I'd like us to begin with a poll, and I'd like us to begin with a poll that's polarizing. You may have seen it before. It's a poll that it's divisive in homes, in family and friend relationships. And I'm going to ask you all to, by show of hand, participate in this poll this morning. Here's the question. When do you start listening to Christmas music? Raise your hand if you're the type who you don't really need an excuse, but you, you count the 100 days before September 16th is when you start listening to Christmas music. At least one brave soul. How about November 1st, day after Halloween, you put the music on. November 1st, a few more. All right, how about those of you who are Thanksgiving, maybe, maybe the day of, maybe the week before, but for sure the day after or the week after Thanksgiving, you're listening to it. All right. Hopefully the rest of you here are not stooges holding out for you never listen to Christmas music, but how many of you with December 1st counted as this, this is when you start listening to Christmas music? It's a fun poll, right? It's a poll you, you often see this time of year, and you see it everywhere. You see it on social media. You see it on the internet. Every news outlet seems to host the poll. But you know what poll you never see this time of year? When do you stop listening to Christmas music? Think about when that is for just a moment, and maybe it's the day after, maybe the week after, but that's not really why I'm bringing that up. It's why do you just stop listening to Christmas music? And I'll suggest, could it be, it's because when Christmas is done, we're just done with Christmas. We're kind of Christmased out. Well, here we are. We're, we're less than a week away from Christmas Day. And how would you describe your holiday spirit? Is it high? Is that a low? You think back, and really, Christmas is here for a lot of us. That means that the kids are now on Christmas break. Maybe all the presents have been bought, all the cooking's been done, all the shopping's complete. Family is here, travel has been made, and you look at it, and really, these are all really good things, but it's kind of a lot, and it kind of just adds to the to-do list. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by that, or maybe, maybe you have other feelings, and the feelings, you'd never say it, but they're feelings of guilt, and so you don't call it that. You maybe just call it more overwhelmedness. You, you, you look at kind of the last month and Maybe you feel a certain way because things didn't go as planned. The party didn't go as you wanted it to. The present isn't going to work out how you thought it did. You think back on your year and 2021 has come and gone and there's resolutions that weren't met. At work, there's, there's deadlines that you see there's no way they're going to get done before the end of the year, before you try to take a little time off to spend with family. So it all adds up. And on top of that, you, you look at the spiritual reflection and confession and preparation that Advent invites, and you think really back on your last month, and maybe it's kind of been a Christless Christmas season so far, and you wonder, is, 
is my plans for, for next week, is, is it kind of the same? You put all of that together, and you think about that. How is your Christmas spirit? And I'm not asking you because I really care about holiday sentiments, although I do. I'm asking because I really care about the spiritual nature of your heart. Have you been humbled this December? If you have, if all, all the, the, the fury and the frenzy of December has humbled you, might I suggest that it's, it's actually done a favor. If you have been stretched to your limits this time of year, or maybe this, this past year, if not the last month, has made you aware of your shortcomings, well, if you've been humbled, might I, to that, say, good, great. That's what I'd hope. Maybe before you just get up and walk out of here because here's this guy pretending to be happy and maybe your humble, maybe even frustrated state, let me say why. That a humble Christmas, a, a humbled heart, this time of year might possibly be the best gift that you could be given this Christmas season. It's because we have a God who is in the business of lifting up the humble. That's right, we have a God who makes it his main task to bestow his grace and his favor on those who have been humbled. Let's call it a humble magnificence. And if you, if you look at this idea of a, of a humble Christmas or, or maybe our theme for this week, a, a humble magnificence, and you say to yourself, Matt, that is a contradiction of terms. Humility, magnificence, those are at odds. Well, to, to that I would say you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Those, those are seemingly at odds, but you have a God who makes this his task, to lift up the humble because you have a God who, who goes about doing his greatest work in really the most contradictory of ways, ways that contradict our human reason. Look no further than Luke chapter 1. Here you have the story, the annunciation of a virgin birth. And here you have a perfect picture of what it looks like, of God reaching into our lives and lifting up someone who is in a humble place. Don't you see that in Mary? We're going to dive into her song, into her Magnificat, the, the, the song she sings to, to glorify God after she finds out she is with child. The Savior is inside of her. But for a second, just Put yourself in Mary's shoes. It's easier said than done for most of you, but I'm, I'm asking you to put yourself in the shoes of a teenage girl who just finds out she's pregnant. Put yourself there and, and do you feel what it's like to, to get that news that you are not married, you really have never been with a man, and yet still you're pregnant. 
Feel that. Feel that pressure. Feel the beads of sweat build on your forehead as you think about how you're going to tell your family, how you're going to tell the child's father. Think about how you are going to deal with that. Now, add into the fact that pressure, that any girl in that position would feel, and couple it with the fact that you live in Judea in the first century or around that time. Not only might you be ostracized socially, economically, from the circumstances you have now, no, 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 no. On top of that, you might not just be ostracized, you might be taken outside of the city and stoned because that's how they treated people in your position in those days. Take that pressure. Take the pressure that anyone would feel finding out that news and add to it this fact. You're a believer. You believe in the promises that God spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You believe that God will send a Messiah and he will be great. He will be the son of the most high. He will come from the line of your father, David, and he will help out your people, God's people, Israel, forever, for all generations. And now take that fact that an angel just told you that that one is in you. (laughs) Mix all of that together. And you think about Mary's months leading up to Christmas, the first Christmas. Do you feel that? Do you feel that, that pressure? Probably a better question is, did you hear that? Did you hear the way she responded? Did you hear the words? The words that Mary spoke? What was in Mary's womb was Christ. What was in her words is a demonstration, a summary, if you will, of all that Christ had ever done in the past, all that Christ would ever do in the future. And she spoke directly to this epic moment of what Christ was doing right then and right now. He was lifting up his humble servant. It was no different than what God had ever done before, and it would be no different than what God would do in the future for his people and all of it through Christ. That is what Mary sang. And so if you've ever felt humbled or in a humble place or state, this song's for you. And we're going to look at that more in just a moment. But before we do, there, there's some, one thing we need to talk about. There's one thing we need to address. And that's Mary herself. Maybe to this point, you've heard me talk about all that Mary offers in Luke chapter 1, all that Mary gives us, all she proclaims in her Magnificat. And you might be saying to yourself, why this sermon about Mary? Let me say this. As as you study and look at Luke chapter 1, you start to see maybe what our Catholic friends notice about Mary. There's something special about her. (laughs) And while it would be going too far to say what maybe our Catholic friends say, and there's some things they'd say about Mary that, well, quite aren't justifiable in the Bible, maybe, maybe as Protestants, maybe we don't go far enough to point to the example of what Mary does, what she proclaims in all of her words. Because you see, bringing Mary up in a sermon doesn't really at all point you away from Christ. It actually does the opposite. It points you more and more to him. 
Because what Mary makes clear and, and what she wants you to know through her words is that this is a God. The God that is in her is a God that is in you through your baptism, through word and sacrament. And that same God, what he did for her, he has done and will do for you in Christ Jesus. He lifts up the humble. He bestows on his people his grace and his favor. And he gives you what, let's call it, a humble magnificence. How do you live with this confidence that is from Christ, this magnificence that comes from your Messiah? Well, you saw it before. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how God lifts up the humble. What you see in Mary's song is that first, Mary receives God's word. Second, she perceives her humility. And third, she believes God's promises. I want to walk through each one of those briefly. First, what Mary does is she receives God's word. Long before Mary received really anything, she sees that everything that she received from God came to him through his word. Through the angelic announcement that was proclaimed to Mary, she received all of God's grace and all of God's favor. And it's no different how any believer today receives God's grace, God's blessings, God's favor. It's through the passive hearing of God's word. Yes, to Mary, it was an angel proclaiming the gospel. To us, it's, it's parents, it's family, it's, it's a pastor or a teacher, but it's no different. Mary really is a model hearer of God's word. What happens? The angel proclaims to her, some good news that she will be with child, that a savior will be here, that God has fulfilled all of his promises. He is making good on those. And what does Mary do? Does she string together a line of argumentation about how none of this makes any sense and it's completely illogical and completely contradictory to the ways that babies are brought into the world? No. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Long before Mary received anything, she received everything that she got from the Lord. And what happened? Because she received the word of God proclaimed to her? Well, faith worked in her heart, a faith that, second, allowed Mary to perceive her humble circumstances. Mary proclaims a beautiful song, the Magnificat. But ask yourself, what, what was her muse? What was her motivation for that? Was it the fact that she was high on the celestial experience of hearing the angelic announcement? Was it because she knew that her kid would be God's kid? Is that what inspired her song? Now listen to the very, very first words of her song. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why? For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Through the word, Mary receives a gift of God's grace and God's faith. Through that, Mary perceives her humble state. 
that she is someone who does not deserve to have the God of all grace and all creation come to her, that she is someone who brings anything to the table, but she is someone who, like you and like me, is a sinner and in need of God's mercy. Because of God's word, she has faith that allows her to perceive her humility. But don't you see, that's not the most important mindfulness aspect here. It's who else was mindful of her in this humble state. It was her God. It was her God who looked on her as a sinner, as someone who brought nothing to this table, and yet still, in spite of that, or rather because of that, gave to her his grace and his favor. Mary goes on to sing these words. She says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. You see, what Mary teaches us in the Magnificat is something very significant about our relationship with our God. It's that our humility our humble state before God as sinners, the mistakes that we make in our lives, these things don't disqualify us from God's care and God's provision. But rather, these are the things, these are the things that properly prepare us for what God does best, for what God does throughout time and throughout eternity. God, your Savior, comes to us and lifts up the humble. Mary receives God's word. Second, Mary perceives her humility, but she doesn't sit alone in her humility. She sits with her Savior. And in light of all of that, number three, Mary believes God's promises. The first thing that her cousin Elizabeth, her relative, says to her when Mary enters her home is rejoicing that she is there. And then she says this, blessed is she, blessed is you, Mary, because you have believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Number three, Mary is lifted up by God. Why? For no other reason than the faith that she received through the word allows her to believe and, and grab hold of the promises that God has made to her and to all of his people. Mary went on to say that from now on, all generations, Call me blessed. And she was right. Why? She answers. Because the mighty one has done, was doing, and will forever do great things for me. Holy is his name. What Mary proclaims in the Magnificat is the most beautiful aspect about our relationship with God. It is not Mary who brought holiness to the equation. It is God, whose name is holy, who brought that to her and bestowed onto her all of her grace, all of her favor. And as a model hearer of God's word, she received that gift through hearing God's word, perceived her humility, and believed in his promises that he made to her and to every generation of God's people. That's how Mary was lifted up by God. That's how she lived with confidence in Christ, magnificence in the Messiah that was hers. The real question we need to ask is, 
how was that all achieved for her? And that we know was achieved by Christ. How does God lift up the humble? Well, he achieves this humble magnificence and he achieves it through Christ. Look, we think when Christ Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace comes into the world, it, it should be with a royal inauguration. But what we see in the incarnation is quite the opposite. What we see is the humble magnificence that, that God was bringing about in Mary's life would be seen most beautifully and most greatly in the life of his own son. How does God lift up the humble? Well, it is Christ who achieves humble magnificence for his people. Mary said, he has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. We'd like to think that what our Savior, what our God does for us is indeed take his strong arms as a shield and guard and protect us. Take his strong arm and smash all of the enemies that would look to separate us from him. And most certainly, Christ Jesus does achieve victory with his omnipotence, with his power. But his power... His magnificence is most mightily seen in a humble place, on a cross where those strong arms weren't smashing enemies, but were stretched out on a cross. That is how Christ Jesus brought about true victory over all of our enemies. That is how Christ Jesus has really brought about the scattering of those who are proud in their thoughts, but has performed mighty deeds for us. It is through the humility, the humiliation of the cross that he brought about the magnificence and the glorification of God and his people. Mary went on to sing that God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. We like to think, right, that we have a God who, who sits throne in heaven and, and has his enemies as his footstool. And he does. Scripture proclaims that to us. But how is it that he brought down those enemies? Well, he left his throne. He was the one who left his throne and came down from heaven to earth and was nailed to the throne on a cross. That is how he brought about the grace and the favor of God. That is how Christ achieved, if you will, humble magnificence for his people. It was through his own humiliation but ultimately his exaltation, his magnification, if you will, on Easter Sunday as Christ Jesus rose again from the dead. That is God works. It is illogical. It is contradictory to how our minds think a God should go about winning victory, but it is the way that God works. God has a habit of lifting up the humble, including his own son, but because of his son, it means you and I live, not just here and now, but the God who lifts us up out of humble circumstances, but God who lifts us up to him eternally to enjoy life in heaven and the magnificence there beside our God forever. So how does God lift you up? It's no different. You've received God's word. You've received it both in your life for all times. You received it this morning here as God's people gather around it. 
take just a moment this Christmas season as you celebrate Christmas and you receive wonderful gifts from friends and family, just take a moment to realize the greatest gift you have been given is the word of God. That's the gift you have received. And so take a moment this Christmas season to gather around that word, to gather around that word that God gives to you, that word that gives to you his greatest gifts, that gives to you the gift of faith that allows you to perceive your humility. Strange to say that, that that's a gift, right? To step back and see that because of our sins, because of our mistakes, we don't deserve to have God for us. It's a gift of faith to, in repentance, look and see that's the state we sit in before our God. But at the same time, simultaneously, what we see is that we don't sit alone in our humility because we have a God who entered in in a humble state of a baby born in Bethlehem for us to offer up for us the sacrifices once for all to forgive us for all those sins. Look, I don't know what it is that this time of year has, has made you aware of your shortcomings, that has you stretched to your limits. I don't know what it is that has humbled you, but what I do know, what I can promise is this, that God is gonna make good on all of his promises, that God who spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, brought about his promises to Mary and to you as well. He has helped his servant Israel and he's helped his servants here today as well. He has been merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And that includes you and me. The sum of Mary's Magnificat could be, could be broken down to simply say this, that God is visiting us in order to liberate us, that God is coming down to us in order to lift us up. And because of that, because God is a God who lifts up the humble, I can't promise you that your name's gonna be great like Mother Mary. I can't promise you that you're gonna get everything that's on your spiritual, personal, relational wish list. But what I can promise you is that in the exact same way that God gave grace to Mary, showed mercy to Mary, sent his word to Mary, lifted up Mary out of her humble state, God will do for you. He will do that not only now, but more so. He will do that in eternity through your Savior, Jesus Christ. And so until then, with Mary... May our souls magnify the Lord. Amen.